You've landed at the 13 Moons Women's Temple podcast with your hosts, Sam and Leela. Satnam. Satnam. Oh, here we are, back in the podcast seat. It's nice to be here with you, Segan. It's lovely to be here, especially on, um, on today, this um, full moon. Did you see the um, partial eclipse? No, I missed the eclipse, but we have these skylights in our house and the moonlight that was like shining through, I just had these squares of moonlight all through my house. It was the brightest full moon mm. and just like all the plants and everything outside were just shimmering this, this silvery light. It was just, I, I actually, it stopped me in my tracks and I just had to like kind of look at the light last night it was magic yeah we were um we were driving back from the gym um just before six this morning and um my son this is pretty cool actually my son my eldest son said um he managed to get a personal best on a lift this morning so he did a pb and he did his workout rx which means he did it exactly as it's meant to be done and then i was i said to him look there's a full moon um partial eclipse and we could see it clearly it was like massive right in front of us on the road and um he just said wow my, my day just can't get any better i don't know if he was as sincere as i felt about that but <laughs> anyway so we got home and um i tried to capture the picture the picture just never does it any justice I, i'm gonna have to buy a, mo- a camera just to take moon pictures because it's yeah. just quite disappointing but to actually see, it was only a little slither that I saw that was covered. But mm. I have to say in that moment, I did just stand outside and just offer a few things. It was beautiful. Mm, magical. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a very powerful week. So I, um, yeah, it's a powerful week. In a, we're in a powerful portal and it's a powerful year. And I think all, we're all feeling that a little bit. We're feeling just that squeeze of, um, I don't know, for me it just feels like a real calling of the destiny this year. And that's not to be taken lightly. That's, that can feel quite pressurised at times, I think. Mm. So, yeah, but this morning I wanted to start. See, and I, want, um, I wanted to ask you, what are three things that are great that are going on in your world at the moment? Mm. Great. That's such a good word. Um, three things that are great. Um, mm. I feel like I should just be immediately going, oh, this, this, and this. Well, actually, I, yeah, interesting. I think I am... Um, I'm, I'm about to turn 45. So I'm, I'm actually, that's pretty great. I've made it to 45 nearly haven't quite yet. So it might not happen. Um, but, um, I, that's pretty great. I'm having quite a a lot of realizations around that. So the school holidays, um, I, I had a great time during the school holidays, just acknowledging, um, the slight shift, um, that I'm feeling towards really, um, owning my age and what this stage of life means. And that's come about because, you know, we're about to start the red tent, which is really exciting Mm. for me. That whole topic 
is really exciting all the way from observing my daughters who are starting their first bleed all the way through to myself who at 45 really am entering that perimenopause phase mm-hmm. and just my big thing is to be able to do that as gracefully as I can. I was just saying it on the meditation I just did live that I just would like to go at, you know, perimenopause, menopause, this next 10 years, much more gracefully than I went at um, my adolescence and being a first time mother. And I would like to take all the lessons that I learned then and transfer them and really just um, empower myself going through there. So what feels great at the moment is that my family are good. My family are in a good place. Mm. I feel I am in a good place to start to really firm up boundaries and intentions around where I want to go. And I also feel physically I'm in a really great place. I don't think I've ever been stronger honestly say that I'm not sure I've ever been as strong as I am right now and that's that's pretty cool to be able to go into this point of my life and feel like that so um yeah yeah that's me Mm, pretty great it's pretty great and we were talking before we came on you know your hair is also pretty great I think (laughs) (laughs) I have a real thing for hair and I yeah I was saying on Monday night just how just how long and how thick and how, you know, awesome it, it is at the moment. And, you know, how we think that has a lot to do with Kundalini yoga. So I'm going to, um, I saw this thing on, um, there's an Instagram account that we follow called Very Satnam. And they posted this picture of this um, girl on rollerblades with hair, like down p- past, you know, down to her thighs. And it's like, does cat cow every day. It's like I doing cat cow every day. So we'll see. Um, it's funny. When I was younger, I had this thing. I once saw this picture of a girl with red hair and um, it was on a billboard and she was in a convertible and she had a top hat that didn't have the top in it. And she had all this red hair coming out. And I remember, so I would have been Tina, I would probably, I was driving, I would probably be 17, I would think 17 or 18. And I remember thinking, I want to have hair like that. And um, I do, but I, I don't, I do have a top hat, but I don't think my husband would appreciate his grandfather's. I'm not sure that he would appreciate me slicing the top off. And I certainly don't have a convertible, but I could just, you know, run down the street maybe that might have a similar effect. Mm, <laughs> or, you know, those, those um, uh, top knots, um, uh, what are they called? Beanies, hats are out now. We'll I've got one of those. It doesn't really work. It doesn't work <laughs> I got one because the picture looked really cool. That was a really terrible, I'm such a, I'm a marketer's dream. I saw it and I went, oh, that's such a great idea. It, yeah, it didn't, it actually just looks a bit crazy on me, but the picture of the woman on the um, ad looked awesome, but maybe I just need to figure that out. I'll go to you for some styling tips. Why do you feel great? What's going on that's great for you? Beautiful. I feel, I feel great for a couple of reasons. Um, yeah, the, we had, um, on Monday night, we had an awesome special, um, prosperity class, um, where we did all of our favorite prosperity, um, careers and meditations. And 
towards the end of the night, I started to feel this heat in my body. And then come the next, so yesterday, um, it had started to penetrate my skin and I'm just like holding this profound, it's not a fever. It's just in the past I've had it and I've sort of described it as that feeling of when you change your DNA, when your DNA is, is literally trans being transmuted, I feel like this, this incredible heat in my body and I'm really feeling that today. So I was just like, Oh my God, I can't to the point where it's like drinking something hot is hard. So I went and put myself in a cold shower (laughs) and it's the water up here is freezing. It's kind of the equivalent of Melbourne temperatures. So I've got this heat and this cold blasting water on my body. And um, if you know me, you know, cold showers has not been something that I have been able to come to easily, but it just made me feel so good and just shifted, I don't know, it just kind of took the sting out of the heat and yeah. And Sat Ravi texted, I was telling, um, I was telling you guys this morning and Sat Ravi texted to say, just moving through the prosperity. So I'm feeling really good at just kind of seeing how, you know, what's going to kind of unfold in my life and what's going to unfold in people's lives around me just from, yeah doing the do so that's one thing and I think I'm just feeling great because we've just had school holidays and my family was back together and so my eldest son Jack is 14 and he he um he lives with his father in Albury and so when we all get back together it's just this really beautiful reunion so that was just really nice I don't know and the sun's out today and I just always feel great when the sun comes out. So, yeah, so that's me. Oh, that's lovely. It's really nice. Mm. I know it's gorgeous, isn't it? I'm looking into the picture on my screen and looking outside and thinking, oh, this looks so nice. Um, oh, that's right. That's my home. That's yeah. Nice. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I have that all the time. I, I don't think I've been blessed to live in many places where I have that. It's such a gift that I stand and often just go, wow, I live here. And I've had that quite a few times. I've moved around a lot. And um, yeah, yeah, I think it's such a gift to be able to really just go, wow, this is where I live. Um, yeah. And um, I do feel very grateful. The full moon is, a, is an amazing time to practice gratitude, everyone. So if you haven't already practiced some gratitude um, and you're listening to this near this full moon, then always remember it's a great time to do gratitude, the best time. And gratitude will just help you to drop into that, mm. into that sense of abundance. Um, yeah, because really that's, that's what it is. It's the recognition that we're already fully abundant. And that's what that, you know, that heat is too, that warmth, you know, that kundalini energy just being awakened. I know what you mean. There's been like a buzziness to my body. Um, I think we, I, I don't know how many meditations we did. I'm going to do a post on it later, actually, because some people have been asking it was a lot. We have a small one. That's nice. Anyway, on that note, because Tia is here. Hi, Tia. Um, <laughs> we will um, we'll get on with the real reason we're here, and that is to revisit um, again the 10 secret, nope, the 10 sacred secrets. 
of success. Um, I, it's been really wonderful because I've had a number of people um, speak to me in the last few days saying that they've been listening to these podcasts and um, that they've really spoken to them. And I think this is the amazing thing about Kundalini Yoga. It normally just speaks to you exactly where you're at. It doesn't really matter where you start, where you finish, where you catch, you know, what, which bit you catch. It's always just exactly what we need at the right time. And that's the beauty of it. So, and that's what we really want to harness in these podcasts too. Um, Tara Manpreet and I are very much of the impression that it doesn't need to be orchestrated. It doesn't need to be perfect. It just needs to be um, very organic the way that we are as women, because if we do that, that's really where the magic is. So, um, Segan, oh, yes. if you want to introduce the sacred secrets, I actually just have to take Tia to the toilet. That's great. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I'll be here. Um, so, um, so what we're going to do is we're going to visit, um, numbers seven and eight today. We, um, have done already, um, one to six. So if you haven't heard those, then, um, you can, um, go back over the previous podcast and listen to them. Um, and, um, I'm just going to go, this is going to be a very organic podcast because I'm actually going to shut my door so that you can't hear my dog barking anymore. Um, <laughs> so, which is nice because you get to see another area of my home. Um, so I think when we've been going through these, we agreed that we were going to do two each week just so that we could have time to, um, let them settle and to, uh, just have time for them to digest. So it's really, it doesn't matter though, if you start at this one and then you go back and do the others. So we had number one is learning is not weakness. Number two is if somebody is avoiding reaching out to you, you reach out. Number three was be the altar, not the alternative. Number four, let your manners speak for you. Let your deeds prove you and let your deliverance impress you. Number five, work never waits. Those who wait have not started yet. Number six, excuses, avoidance and delays will not stop the consequences. And so number seven, which we're moving on to today, is this. Pros and cons. Check properly. It will save you from con games. Play no games. Get straight to the strategy and establish the state and status with your statementship. Reach out to everyone with a diplomatic art and loving communication. Oh, Yogi, this is the sacred secret of winning friends. I just, had a mo I just had a moment just as I read this last bit. What was that book that was so famous a while ago? Was it How to Win Friends and Influence People? Or mm. Anyway, it was one of these sort of books. It's just, it's just interesting. It's such a good... I, I think um, when I look at this, um, it's... It seems to me that um, it just makes so much logic sense. This play no games, um, get straight to the strategy and establish the state and status with your statementship. Um, Tara Manpreet and I were discussing what does statementship actually mean? Um, and actually it comes into the next um, number of these. I'm going to try and not say um so much actually. Um, and... Um, <laughs> It's just a really bad habit, I've noticed. So um, 
the statementship and diplomat um, comes into the next one, but on this one, we're gonna dive into that statementship. So one of the things is I looked up, what does it actually, what does statementship actually mean? And in Wikipedia, it says that statementship is the practice of a statesman, usually a politician or another notable public figure who has had a long and respected career in politics. Well, that's kind of ironic in this day and age, but anyway. Um, as a terms of respect, it is usually left to supporters or commentators to use the term. So it's someone is referred to as being a statesman. We don't normally initiate ourselves as a statesman. When politicians retire, they are often referred to as elder statesmen. Statemanship also conveys a quality of leadership, which I guarantee is the point that Yogi Bhajan is hitting on, that organically brings people together and of eldership, which I know is another really important aspect, a spirit of caring for others and for the whole. So I think when we're looking at Yogi Bhajan's reference to statemanship, that's where we're getting to. It's this ability to understand where our own statesmanship is. So we almost need to start to recognize ourselves as a statesman within the world that we are. And that comes in this whole self-initiation, but to see where are our leadership qualities? Where are we leading? How are we leading? And in the leadership that we do, are we caring for others as a whole? That's really that statementship. I think it goes hand in hand with sovereignty. Yeah, completely. And it has a lot to do with your uh, capacity to, you know, have a really good sense of your own personal power and to be able to really own the thing that you're doing or that, you know, if, you, if you're a mother, like, really, and you want to be, a, you know, recognised as the statesman mother, you, you're owning motherhood. Or if you're, you know, you're a bit of a trailblazer and you're doing something that's revolutionary, you need to be in completely in that. And you, it's that self-initiation. You need to initiate yourself as an expert in the field or you probably are an expert in the field and completely own it, you know, unequivocally. And that will give you that. And then, and then you will be seen as someone, people will regard you. The moment we kind of tend to waver in our, we're just not sure if we're doing the right thing. We're just not sure if we're being received. You know, we're worried about what other people think it's gone. And it's about having that groundedness. Well, as well. Yeah. When it says play no games, I think, it's interesting. We talk a lot in the yoga world about people who are flaky. <laughs> you know, we, we, there can be a sense of flakiness. And actually what he's saying is don't, don't be flaky. Don't play games with people. So we're either, you know, it's one of those things. You're, you're either a yoga teacher, you're a kundalini yoga teacher, and you're going to teach kundalini yoga, or you're not. Don't sort of one minute be a kundalini yoga teacher who's going to teach kundalini yoga and then the next minute be something completely different and sort of pretend that you don't do the other thing or, or do one thing or do a number of things really badly. Really find the thing that you do well. And I love the way that you referred to mothership. I think that is, it wasn't mothership, but statementship as motherhood. So and great, I, mothership. mothership. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Because I think that is, is beautiful. What I was thinking of was, it's a bit like when you have your small kids and you have to find your, um, you find your tribe. When I remember when I had my small children and I lived on an army patch, it was really about finding the places that I was going to go to. So my, I had to take sort of command of my statesmanship which was my home and my children. And then from there, we would move out to go to the toddler groups or whatever it was that I decided the, you know, baby music, all those things that I can't quite believe that I did for so many years. And when you're in it, you're fully in it. You give to that. You probably take on a role within that. You know, I would always become the playgroup leader or something because that was the type of thing to do. But in doing that, it gave you that statesmanship around it and you're doing what you want to do for the people that you love but you're also helping to grow community and support community so i feel um it and it really helps to grow friends yes it does and yeah you know all of that just goes hand in hand you know at the end they say reach out to everyone with a diplomatic art and loving communication you know, when you can just be in that where you've stepped into that leadership position because you've found your place, you've become comfortable with your place and your role, you know, then you can, you can just be open and receptive to, to anyone and just have that compassion. And that's where that loving communication comes. And that's, that's where friendships but in and then, in the business realm, that's where your strategic alliances are formed. And that's where you, um, you know, even, you know, someone that might be your perceived as your greatest competitor becomes your strongest collaborator because you have, you know who you are, they know who they are, and you can have this open, loving, you know, and that, that, that can exist in the business world. And this is something that we're going to be covering towards the end of our business courses. It's all about it, this collaboration versus competition and how we are showing up and how we feel like we're competing against the other yoga teacher or the other, you know, natural health therapist who might be doing something similar to us. It's like there's, there, there is no need for competition. And especially in the Aquarian age, it's like it's dead in the water. Yeah, I think, you know, reaching out to everyone with a diplomatic art. Being diplomatic is kind of a bit of a lost um, art as well. We, I think this as well is another area where we can get a bit confused and hung up as yogis because we, especially Kundalini yogis, we have this word Satnam, which we brand about a lot. So Satnam means truth is my name or truth is my identity. And as a result, there's this whole thing about I'm going to speak my truth. <laughs> which at times that, that can actually be misinterpreted because really we want to be able to speak that truth from the heart center, not just from the reptilian brain, which is what happens so much that someone is actually punching it out from the lower chakras rather than, you know, allowing it to come through and be um, blossomed and bloomed and, mm. and sort of lined with compassion from the heart space. And the truth is that to be diplomatic requires you to take some deep breaths. And there is a, a great deal of um, 
there would be a great deal of benefit in actually taking some deeper breaths because a lot of the time people aren't breathing. They're actually just talking and speaking before they've even thought about what's occurring. Yeah. And I, I feel that's, you know, I, I've heard this said a lot that, you know, yogis really need to sort of think about this whole, you know, speaking our truth is one thing, but actually being able to, to do that with a compassionate heart and know that when you say something, it's said, once you've said something, you can't take it back. So mm -hmm. we need to know and really own that we're speaking in the right way to the right people. Um, so that it doesn't impact us greater than we, or in a way that we hadn't perceived. And sometimes I think we don't spend enough time breathing before we engage mouth. Totally. And, and we ignore the signs in our body. Like you can feel it in your body when, you know, you might be, someone might've said or done something that's pissed you off and you might be deliberating about how you're going to approach addressing, you know, whatever's happened. And the thing is, is that because you, you know, you have a truth around this and so you want to speak your truth, but the, the, what ends up happening is that like you're saying, we're actually more likely coming from a, we're reacting in which case we're coming from a place of ego. Something's been triggered. We're not actually coming from a place of um, higher good for everyone involved. And that sits in the body. And it usually sits in the navel. For, for me, it sits in the navel. And if, I, if I'm having any type of sensations in my navel or I'll get a lot of energy kind of build up around my thighs, which is, which is interesting with some things like that's when I know it's, it's the, the emotion is ego driven. And even there's been even times where I've just completely ignored that because I'm adamant that I'm right. And you start the thing, Satnam. Yeah. <laughs> da, 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 da. It's just like, nah, <laughs> you missed it completely. Yeah. And, and it's like, it's, it's in those moments where, you know what, there probably is some truth here, but you need to, to, to kind of let it rest for a day or a week mm -mm. until your ego has kind of been able to process where it's been offended so that you're not, you know, taking that on. But we do, we hide behind this, um, this Satnam, you know, this, I'm, I'm coming to you in truth. It's just like, yeah, but you know, there's truth. And then there is the, the pure truth. Well, because as well, loving communication is loving to, to, it's not just loving to the other person. It's also loving to ourselves. And if you haven't processed something through and you're still just going at it from anger, um, even speaking that truth, isn't going to give you love in the long run. You're actually just going to feel terrible afterwards. It's mm -hmm. going to leave you feeling empty. We, we never actually feel good when we've said something to another that's not loving. We know immediately. If you just think about that, if you, go at anyone with anger or you say something in anger, there is always a moment after where we find, I oh, just, I should have gotten that better. And I think, I think it's, you know, it's very important to recognize, especially when we look at um, this sort of, this sort of whole theme really of um, saving ourselves 
from con games, you know, not playing games. We actually just really need to, I, I feel it comes back to it time and time again. If you want to create a good relay, a good relationship, you've got to start with having a good relationship with yourself. This mm -hmm. has probably been my, I'm sure there'll be many other gems, but one of my greatest gems from um, really thinking about relationships is this, like how well do you know yourself? And that's the same. It doesn't matter which, where you're looking at it, whether you're looking at it from a business context, whether you're looking at it from a, um, a personal context, a family context, how well do you know yourself? And that's how well you're ever going to know someone else. You can't know them better than that. So if you don't know yourself very well, you're never going to know anyone else any better. Mm. Yeah, we're, we're going, my husband and I are kind of going through this a little bit at the moment. Um, where he, his inner personal power is being reflected by another older male back back to him where he is is and we've kind of just been unpacking it over the last um week or so where he's coming to learn where he drops a lot of his personal power and it isn't okay with some of the decisions that he makes and and it's being reflected to him from from this you know other person in his life who is real like it he would he's very much in his statesmanship in you know, in certain ways, he's, he's an expert and he's older and he's got that life experience and he just owns it. And the, the mirror, and when, when Forbes is coming up against in this situation, the mirror that, that this, this other guy is like allowing him to kind of, and, and we're just sort of just working on getting to know himself and allowing him to kind of go through this, this motion without that just kind of opening his mouth and just going and just starring blah, blah, blah. I'm right. Da, da, da. This is because, and he's realizing that he doesn't know that part of himself well enough yet. And it's, it's a really beautiful process because, and this is a very yogic process of, you know, stepping into a higher states of consciousness where you can go, oh, I don't know everything. And I feel like I might make a mess of this situation. Let me just take stock and let me just, you know, talk to people that I trust and see what they think. And so he's starting to build a picture about getting to know himself so that he can then start to go, okay, this is how I can, this is where I've made the mistakes where I feel like I've lost my power and this is how I can not do that again and step more into that role. And it's really, it's really awesome to kind of witness. That's a perfect example of this, this number seven. That's a perfect example just there, all that you just mm -hmm. said. That kind of sums that all up really. Because in doing that, he's going to he's going to achieve. People are going to respect the way that he's doing that. He will make a friend of this person and other friends along the way. And as well as that, he'll have made a better friend of himself, which yeah. is really, really powerful. So yeah, that's great. Because, you know, moving, I mean, and we'll move on to the next one because they're all so interconnected. That number eight today is be a statesman and a diplomat. Um, if you, it says, if you have a longing to belong, love and reverence are your handy tools to build a leadership to sail through the stormy ocean. And you enter the port of peace 
and tranquility. Oh, Yogi, this is the sacred secret of leadership. Mm. Wonderful. That's very poetic. Um, I'm interested in the longing to belong. Um, you mentioned something about this earlier, and I can't remember when you said it. I thought, oh, this leads right into the other, into the next point. Um, longing to belong is a two in numerology. So if we have a two in our numerology, that number is the longing to belong. And if we think about how we are, a lot of us have a longing to belong. It generally comes about because a lot of us feel at some point or may have experienced at some point in our childhood a feeling of abandonment. Mm -hmm. Whenever we feel that we have been abandoned, and I'm going to hit on this a little bit more because I think it's prevalent in, in this conversation and then in the greater picture of how we are as society. So basically, the way in which we have been taught to parent. So if I think about the way in which I was taught to parent, and I was listening to a podcast yesterday, and Gabor Mate was talking about this, and it's kind of really struck me because I know this about what, how I was parenting with my children, but I also know that I didn't have anything better to go with. So I was just doing the best I could do, which he says is what it is, but I now understand it. The point is, generally speaking, with our children, it, you get to this point, and certainly for me, I was given a lot of books that encouraged us to create, you know, to do things like sleep training, to do um, the naughty step, a lot of things that actually create a separation in the child. So if we think about that and certainly think about our own, what was, it was like for us as children. So my parents, that was a very normal thing. I definitely did not do any co-sleeping. My mother didn't even breastfeed me. It just wasn't a, wasn't a thing. And so if you think about that, immediately at that point, there is a sense of separation and a perceived sense of abandonment. And if I think about what I, how I behaved with my first child, I definitely know even though it did not sit at all right with all my gut instincts that I was doing things that would have triggered this type of, of, of sensation for him. And he talks about this, it's going against your gut instincts. So when we think about longing to belong, a lot of us have been through certain things in childhood because society says that's how we should behave, that this sort of, um, Attachment parenting is really quite a relatively new concept. A lot of people may be struggling with it because, of course, it's not the norm. That's what I'm saying. It's like we start to do it and then someone says, really, are you doing that? I don't think that's a good way. You're actually teaching your child to be, do the wrong thing. You're going to really struggle long term because you've done that. I've heard it all. And I've journeyed through my first child to my fourth child and parented them very differently. And the point is we have got to make a shift as a society. But in society, we are a lot of people who are longing to belong. We are looking externally for our validation rather than being able to internally validate ourselves. And that is because we don't feel secure. We haven't come from that secure sense of belonging. Yogi Bhajan says, and the two refers to, that just by virtue of existence, you belong. Mm. So we don't actually need to rely on our parents. It doesn't actually matter about your story of your childhood. The fact that the universe created you means that you belong. 
And so when I read this, I think it says, if you have a longing to belong, which I think is most people, Mm. love and reverence are your handy tools to build a leadership to sail through the stormy ocean. The key is that we have to get back again to loving ourselves, to being in reverence with ourselves, to parenting ourselves, to listening to when that inner child is screaming out and for us to be the ones that picks her up and gives her a hug. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And yeah, it's, it's really, it's really huge in, in our society, in our culture. Um, speaking of the Western, the Western way. And we just don't have, oh, that's, that there's pockets of it. There's pockets of, of, of a society that, that might support you no matter what and that may, may not judge you. But for most of us, it's really rare to find. And it's, you know, it's heartbreaking. And it's why so many women are returning to the, this essence of wanting to create community. It's not that community doesn't exist. It's that conscious, loving, supporting and an all accepting community doesn't exist as much as it should. No, because there's judgment. This is the, the biggest thing. There's judgment in all communities. And I'm, I'm not going to sort of put my hand on my heart and say that I'm not guilty of this because it is such an inbred thing within us as a society. We, yeah, we, you know, you think if someone has, if someone is an addict, we judge them. We judge them for being an addict. So therefore we say, well, you know, that's, you know, that's what they do. We, rather than thinking, how can I support them? Why has this happened? In our, in our society, how have we allowed this person to get to a point where they are looking so externally for something that they have had to turn to this extreme measure to, to actually find some form of comfort? The comfort should come from the community. And I, I, I believe, you know, it's going to take it's going to take a huge shift in the way that we do things. We are going to have to literally turn our back on what we have been told is, is correct. And I see this, you know, that's why for us, um, certainly for the work that we do in Grace Woman, it's so important. We have to continually stay here and keep showing up and providing a space that no matter what provides that place for women to come and be seen and be able to be themselves and there will be times for sure when you know that you know we may not do that to the best of our capacity but we've got to keep showing up through that and be completely and utterly authentic in our own growth and by doing this that's what leadership is we've got to say right okay we've learned from this lesson we need to come back and really validate what happened, you know, what we're feeling in ourselves and help everyone feel that they're belonging. And that's how the longevity of conscious communities can continue. Because time and time again, what I see is that actually people are just not willing to have those conversations. They don't want the awkward conversations. No. Well, no, it's, yeah. Or, or it takes them a very long time to, to be in a space and to be in a community before they will feel comfortable about opening up and the other thing too is that 
once someone who perhaps is in a position of leadership or in a position of, you know, perceived power, the moment they make a mistake, we so easily just slay them. And it's, and, and we just so easily fall back into that. And this is, this is very, you know, this is quite prevalent in, in the yogic world as well is we we're all doing a lot of work on, um, you know, wanting to move from a place of judgment and into a place of compassion. But the moment we see someone, at, you know, who might be, who, who we sort of think is probably at the top a little bit, the one, the moment they make a mistake, we're like, she doesn't know what she's talking about. How dare she, you know, put herself up on this pedestal. But then, and I've seen, and I've, I've definitely been guilty of that, but then you kind of keep following them on their journey and then they realize you know, where they might have been going wrong. And this is, this is that compassionate um, uh, communication. It's, it's a two-way street. We, we need to be there to hear someone if they've perhaps made a mistake. We need to still be there to allow them to say, you know, I did the wrong thing and I get it now. Well, that's the point. Leadership is not about one person being there and saying, I did it right. You must do it my way. That's not leadership. Really true leadership is saying, okay, who is it that I can support? Where are the people that I can support to bring them up to the, to, to be in an, ele you know, an elevated state? We want to invite everyone to come and meet us where we are, not actually leave one person up here. That's, that's not leadership. That's dictatorship. So there's a whole different thing between leadership and dictatorship. And that's where it needs to be. Really, leadership is about growing that community and being able to trust that someone has some great ideas that, you know, might be able to enhance the community, grow the community. But we all have to have a sense of leadership for ourselves and for our own communities. And this is Again, another really important thing. If you've got a business, you're leading your business. If you are a mother, you are the leader in your home. And we need to really start owning that. You're the leader. You can't actually, we talked about this the other day. It's, it's all about responsibility again. You can't, you know, sort of shirk that. Yeah, well, today I don't want to be in charge. Today I'd like to blame my mother. It was my mother's fault that I did that. This is just not it. You know, if you've got if you've got a family or you've got a business, that's your ship and you're at the helm and you need to take responsibility. And that means standing up and really being responsible for your leadership. If we could all just be responsible and also by being responsible, that means admit when we've made mistakes, because if as a leader, you're willing to admit I've made a mistake, you take immediately dismiss everything. It's yeah. when we actually want to go, yeah, it wasn't my fault. It was someone else's fault. I mean, I'm, not, I'm saying that like it's so easy. If my husband was sat here, he'd be like, oh, darling, <laughs> you're just such a shining example to us all with that. Yeah, no, that wouldn't be happening. There would be a number of people, probably I could say five people that I could say would definitely say I could work better on that. <laughs> and, you know, this is why we become teachers. <laughs> So we can really master the things that we need to learn. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. There was another dot that kind of joined from 
the the previous one that I was thinking um, uh, I can't remember what it is now but it might come back to me but the other thing that I wanted to say too is that not everyone feels like they're a leader and in community and say in a business for example when you're if you own a business and you're hiring staff um, generally you are going to hire people that don't really have a desire to want to be at the top. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that they don't have leadership qualities or that they don't have the capacity to, you know, to steer a ship. And if you are, you know, if you're listening to this and you're one of those people who's like, no, I just want to be a part of something and I want someone else to take the helm. You still you still have a role in leadership in that. And it's, it's not that, yeah, yeah, I think that's really important to, to remember is that every single one of us has a responsibility to lead from the place where we are the most comfortable and we are the most aligned. And, you know, we see this in Graceful Women. We have a number of beautiful women who sort of support us. And um, one or two of them have said to me on occasions, I have no interest in, you know, wanting to start my own studio or, you know, be, you know, really lead a community, but I just love my place here. And I see them stepping into this leadership role for other women around them. And it's such a beautiful thing to, to see and to be able to enable happen. Well, I, th- I think that's it because I think we, again, have a very Disney view of leadership. Yes. It, it's, it's the truth. Our whole life is kind of built through Disney glasses. And um, <laughs> at some point we have to realize that, yeah, that is not exactly life. And leadership is, as women, that's, we, we are leaders. You know, we're, we're, we're leaders as women. And mm-hmm we're leaders wherever we are, whatever we're doing, we're leading in some aspect and it doesn't have to be, and this is the point, it doesn't have to be on a massive scale. And I think we always try and come back to this. And I really want to um, just enable people to embrace this. We don't all have to be doing the biggest thing. We don't all have to be leading a country. It's actually enough just to be very present and involved in that full process of leading ourselves and then leading whoever it is that's right in front of us. You know, our family, you know, our friends at work, it might be other colleagues. And it could be in a very simple way. It might just be that you're inspiring someone to take up a meditation practice. That's Mm -hmm. a form of leadership. Just because they see you and go, how are you so calm? Well, I just do this. Would you like to have a go? And then all of a sudden, there you are, leading the way. Mm. And, and that's what it is. I think sometimes, yeah, we, the pressure we, we put on ourselves is not helpful. Being a leader doesn't, being a statesman and a diplomat doesn't actually have to be a huge responsibility that causes us stress. It can actually, in acknowledging that that's the role that we have, it can actually give us a great deal of peace. And that's how we find that peace and tranquility. Mm. You know, it's just, just be loving to yourself. Notice where, you know, I say this all the time, where are your boundaries? Where's your gift? 
where is it that you can lead and where is it that really you don't want to lead? Just like you were saying, some of us have no desire to, you know, to lead in certain areas and others of us do. And that's exactly how it should be because we all have our unique gifts. Yeah. Yeah. There's, and there's just one other little thing I want to extract from this is, you know, the essence of being diplomatic. We, we were talking before the podcast or maybe we said it in number seven, but that, um, the art of being diplomatic is, you know, it's, it's almost a lost art. And, uh, you know, in the realms of social media, we sometimes say you put up a post and someone comes at you. This is, this is a clear-cut example of where to practice the art of being diplomatic because often we'll say something and someone will disagree with us and it can end up in a really heated discussion or we avoid it completely or we think we just need to delete what that person has, has said because we just don't know how to approach that, you know, that, that place of conflict because we yeah. it, that that's what that is is like we're having conflicting views this is huge and you know i follow joe rogan um and the joe rogan podcast and he's this um huge guy this american guy and he regularly interviews some of the most phenomenal people and he has long form conversation and so his podcast you know it's common for them to go for 3 and 4 hours and it's fascinating to watch these, these huge opinionated, you know, energetic men going at these, this conflict and these conflicting views and then coming to the end where, you know, you, I feel like they're going to end up having a brawl over the microphones, like they're so in the conflict, but... They are literally in that art of conscious communication where they might be heated and emotional about what they're saying, but they're not, they're not taking what the other person is saying personally. And when you can, and this is the art of listening, when you can sit and listen and hear another person's point of view and then respond clearly without having too much of a reaction then you're in conscious communication and you know in spoken conscious communication is a little bit different to written dialogue but we still fall in this trap where we're we're missing we're missing that art and this is where if we can start to really look at how we're communicating and how we're listening how are we receiving what's being said to us what's occurring for us in our body where does our ego want to take it but you know bringing it up to that heart space and then responding and hopefully the other person is doing the same and well that's satnam that's that is actually satnam and that's exactly what we're you know that is entirely it that actually we're saying i am going to speak my truth and i'm in doing so i'm doing this because i trust that you will receive it in the way that it is being delivered and at the same time i'm going to listen to your truth and I'm going to receive that trusting that it is delivered from this compassionate way. Because in truth, it is, 
it is not about how the other reacts to us. It is about, you know, us being able to share authentically um, from that heart center what we believe. And, you know, what the other does with that is their choice. The key is the other is to recognize that, yeah, we don't always have to take offense. But again, that comes back to the longing to belong. And it comes back to, you know, let <laughs> me get all like, you know, but it is like what happened at your home? What happened when you were a child? Were you listened to? What happened when you, did you feel listened to? Yeah. Did you feel that you were able to express yourself? If you don't feel that that was the case or you immediately go, well, God, I can think back to a time when this happened and that happened. That's the point where we need to go back to and just really address that. Yeah. Because a lot of us, and this is what, you know, I've heard it said many times, you know, we're just a, a lot of injured children running around and we need to actually grow up. Um, we need to realize that we're not children, we're adults and we need to behave as such. And that means really taking the time to love ourselves, to do the healing that we need to do, be responsible for that healing so we can step into our sovereignty, so we can take on our statesmanship so that we can be diplomatic and loving and kind. Yeah. That's the other word, kindness. That's it. And pay attention to yourself. You know, a tantruming child is not paying attention to what they're doing. That they're not, nor do they care. They don't care that they're screaming and kicking and ruining everyone's experience around them, whether it's in the supermarket or the playground or the middle of your home. Like that's a tantruming child. And we do that when we have these, I, I wrote about it a little bit in, um, I put a podcast, um, a post on our social media about chanting with a mala. And I was talking about these ego attacks An ego attack is literally a tantruming adult. Mm. And we're not paying attention to what we're doing. And we're not paying attention to our behavior. If you actually just stop and pay attention to yourself, it's very revealing. <laughs> Well, actually, it's, it's, yeah, it's exactly that. Rather than shutting that tantrum down, saying, you have been bad, stop it, and separating that tantruming child or ourselves and it giving the, you know, not giving them any airtime, how would it be instead if we embraced them, said, I really see you, I really understand what's happening for you, let's talk about that. It immediately diffuses it. Now, we can logically think that of a child outside of ourselves, but can we do it to ourselves? Mm. And I feel as women, you know, um, I was just talking at the weekend about this, you know, just before our period, that's what happens. The veil comes down and woo, out she comes. And at that point there, you're going to know, have I listened to myself on this previous cycle? Have I listened to myself and have I kept my strong boundaries? And if you haven't, that tantrum, exactly as you're saying, that ego, what did you call it? An ego attack. The ego attack is literally that. And the veil will come down. You won't be able to hide it anymore. Mm. There's no hiding it when the veil's down just before we bleed. At that point, it's like, if you haven't been listening to yourself, then you're going to know about it. And that's the time to really parent yourself. Yeah. And, and go and take one of your beautiful baths. Yes, go and do one of those baths. Everyone needs to be having more baths. I really feel like that. I'm like, yeah, baths are the way to go. That's like really um, available, affordable self-care. We get so hung up on, I can't, you know, I can't justify going, getting a massage or all the other things. But actually, 
a lot of us have baths and if you don't have baths I, I have a lot of this that people are telling me they don't have a bath just do a foot bath instead you can do exactly the same with a foot bath so just do exactly the same but just put your feet you just need to go and invest in a a tub that you keep just for this so it could be your ritualistic foot bath and then yeah. do the same thing with a with a foot bath yeah lovely if you're interested in baths, they're all up there. There's a couple on our blog and they're on our social media too. They're really beautiful little offerings that Sigan is doing. Well, that's, um, that's us for, for this week. Yeah. And so our next podcast will be our, the last two sacred secrets of success. So if you've been following along with this series, we hope that you're getting a little bit out of it. Um, please feel free to share, you know, with us on any of our channels, whether you want to email or comment wherever you see this podcast posted on any reflections or, you know, epiphanies or aha moments. It's just, it's lovely to hear and for other people to hear too, because, you know, if you're having a question, if you're having an experience, it's likely that someone else is also. So this is how we can be teachers for each other. All right, beautiful. Well, Satnam. Satnam. Thank you for sharing this time with us. And we look forward to, yeah, sharing some sound waves again with you soon. Mm. Bye for now. Satnam. Thank you for taking the time to be with us on this podcast episode. These are sound bites and conversations about things we think are important to support the collective ascension towards more love, acceptance, hope and harmony on the planet Earth. Together we can continue to support each other through conversations that need to be held. If you've enjoyed this episode, please do share it with your people. We would love it if you subscribe to our channel and even rate the podcast if you feel called to. You can also find us and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube and Spotify just by searching the 13 Moons Women's Temple. <laughs>